Well, good morning once again. I was planning to be done with my sermonette one minute ago in time for our communion service. So if you'll just bear with me, give me a few minutes as we prepare our hearts to partake of communion. At the table with Jesus, that's why we're here. Out of all the things that you could have done today, you chose to be here. And you chose to stay long enough to experience communion. And I want you to ask yourself, why? Why did I choose to be here today? You know, over the past year and a half, a lot of people have begun deconstructing things, deconstructing their employment, deconstructing their career, their hopes, their dreams, their plans for the future, and even deconstructing their faith. There was a time when church seemed pretty obligatory. You just go to church because that's what you do. But then we couldn't go to church for a little bit, and then it didn't seem safe to go to church, and now we're making our way back. But it has caused some people to question, why am I here at church in the first place? Why do I attend this church? So I want us to unpack just for a few minutes some of those reasons why we are here. A little bit about my story. I did not grow up in any church. I am still the only Seventh-day Adventist in my family. I was 16 years old when I met, actually 17, when I met Lynette at my public high school. And through my relationship with her and her family, I came to know Jesus. And not only that, I came to know this beautiful family of faith known as the Seventh-day Adventist Church family. But here in this day and age, what difference does it make? What church we go to or any church at all? I mean, can't you just worship online? And a shout out to those who are watching online. It's a wonderful thing that we can now reach people 24-7. But what difference does it make? Here in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we practice open communion. And I want to read to you a statement from our fundamental beliefs about that. The church is the community of believers who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In continuity with the people of God in Old Testament times, we are called out from the world. And we join together for worship for fellowship, for instruction in the word, for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, for service to humanity, and for the worldwide proclamation of the gospel. We can take heart in knowing that we are a part of an ancient worldwide community of faith that includes Seventh-day Adventists, but also Eastern Orthodox, Presbyterian, United Methodist, Church of Christ, Baptist, Church of the Nazarene, We are all members of the body of Christ, and I hope that you know that and celebrate that. So we practice open communion here. You are welcome here if you are a believer in Christ. And so we we know and understand that every believer is welcome at the table. Ellie's going to tell us more about what's happening up here, but we have a chair symbolically representing Jesus at the head of the table Jesus in front of this pulpit. Every believer is welcome at the table. And I'm going to take it a little bit further to say that if you are showing up to the table for the Lord's Supper, then you might be a believer even if you don't realize it. If you are seeking Jesus and following him and trying to understand his teachings, 
then in my book, you're a believer. In The Desire of Ages, Ellen White says, Judas, the betrayer, was present at the sacramental service. He received from Jesus the emblems of his broken body and his spilled blood. He heard the words, this do in remembrance of me. And sitting there in the very presence of the Lamb of God, the betrayer brooded upon his own dark purposes and cherished his sullen, revengeful thoughts. Even Judas is welcome at the table. So it brings me back to this question of, what's the point of being a Seventh-day Adventist if everyone is welcome? If every believer, if this is a big tent, right? The body of Christ around the world through all of human history. And I want to share with you a little bit about what what difference it does make to be a Seventh-day Adventist and why I am still a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm going to confess to you that while I didn't grow up in a church, I had friends that went to church, and I would go with them every once in a while. And I have really fond memories of my experiences, but honestly, this has turned into a meme, but this is the picture of God that I had from the little bit of experience that I had going to church. This dark, angry man in the sky who's watching our every move. And I had heard some things about hell that I didn't care for. It turned me off. Even Michelangelo didn't quite get it right. This is Zeus. This is not God. And I had issues with this, and I still do from time to time. It kept me at more than arm's length from wanting to know and understand who this God is. But then I met Lynette and her family, and I began to open the Bible and study for myself, and I realized I deconstructed all of this. Paul writes in the love chapter from 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm I'm moving back a little bit from the scripture reading this morning to give you the whole context. Paul says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So even the stuff that we're doing in Jesus' name right now is incomplete. It's blurry. It's only a part of the real experience that is to come. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So it's in this context of all the stuff we're doing in the name of Jesus in in the church. All that stuff is going to go away because we're looking for something better. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. You are known by God. And one day, we won't have to mess with the distortions of God's character and the messed up teachings and the murkiness that comes from living on this earth. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I came to understand a more clear picture of Jesus. And my argument today, my thesis, is that this is a big table, and every believer is welcome. 
but I want to sit closest to Jesus. I want to see him most clearly. And so far, the Seventh-day Adventist theology, worldview, teachings, and understanding of the Bible is the most clear picture of God that I have. Now, we can still learn a lot from our fellow Christians. And there are some things that we mess up on, and we need to work on that. I love this statement from our World Church website. This description of what the Adventist faith has to offer. Seventh-day Adventist beliefs are meant to permeate your whole life. Growing out of scriptures that paint a compelling portrait of God, you are invited to explore, experience, and know the one who desires to make us whole. The picture of heaven that I had was not very appealing. Like a disembodied spirit floating in clouds, that does nothing for me. But when I came to understand the way God created us, from the dust of the ground, breathing his breath into us, and we become a living soul, and that in death, the reverse happens. The breath goes back to God. The body goes to the ground, awaiting the resurrection. When I learned that hell is not ceaseless ages of eternity, that sounds like a sadomasochistic God, not a loving God. When I understood that the wages of sin is death, eternal death, eternal punishment, ceasing to exist. That's the natural consequence of living a life apart from God. It changed everything for me. This is the God that I want to follow. And understanding him as the Lord of the Sabbath, that he embodies the rest that we were designed to have, that he desires our wholeness. And so now I have a different picture of God. And it's hard to really capture who God is, right? Because we live on the other side but I think it's something more like this and like this. And so we are all welcome at this table, but I want to be Simon Peter and the Apostle John. If you know the song Day by Day, I want to offer this prayer in closing. Would you pray with me? Oh, dear Lord, three things I pray to see thee more clearly, to love thee more dearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. The Adventist perspective and community helps me get closer to Jesus at the table. That is why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. But we have a responsibility in this. I saw this on Facebook this week. I thought it was great. Don't just invite people to church. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to your table or your patio. Invite them into your life. Be there for them. We, not this building, are the church. And so as we partake in the Lord's Supper today, may you come to know that you are part of an ancient worldwide community of believers who all bear witness to the Christ. We are not alone in this. We are standing on the shoulders of spiritual giants, Adam, Moses, Elijah, the apostles, Paul, the reformers, White, 
and all of the early Adventist pioneers who were like 15, 17, 20 years old when this thing happened. And as Adventists, though, we continue to bear witness to God's truth, grace, character. It's all one story, and we are a part of this story here at the end of human history as we know it. We know that this story is not over, but we know who wins. And today we are here to proclaim the Lord's death.